we just had a conversation here at our table about this idea of rigor. Mm-hmm. And as teachers, we are often told, make sure that you have rigor in your classroom, right? It's talked about in professional development. It's held in high esteem, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And it is seen as something that, um, it, that we must do in order to help students succeed. Yeah to do well, to learn, and to um, not just do boring uh, work that is unnecessary, right? Mm-hmm. It's the word that comes in that says, well, when it's rigorous, then it's better. Thanks for joining us on the Teachers Changing Teaching Podcast, where today we discuss rigor in the classroom. Here are your hosts, Dr. Jamie Collins, Natalie Davey, and Rachel Evans. Hi, welcome to the Teachers Changing Teaching Podcast. I'm Jamie Collins. I'm Rachel Evans. And I'm Natalie Davey. And we are so thankful for your time and your attention. And we want to jump right into it. How about it? Yep. Let's do it. Okay. We just had a conversation here at our table about this idea of rigor. Mm -hmm. And as teachers, we are often told, make sure that you have rigor in your classroom. Right. It's talked about in professional development. It's held in high esteem, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And it is seen as something that, um, it, that we must do in order to help students succeed. Yeah. To do well, to learn, and to um, not just do boring uh, work that is unnecessary, right? Mm-hmm. It's the word that comes in that says, well, when it's rigorous, then it's better. Mm-hmm. It's just right. better because it's rigorous. But we were all talking about, well, what is rigor? Yeah. Right. Um, there are lots of books and I encourage you to go read books and articles and things. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to take <laughs> up that whole discussion, right? but we want to talk about some ways that we have, um, used rigor or the ways that we have, um, maybe come up against some challenges mm-hmm. or how we're exploring what rigor means in our classrooms yeah. with our students. And then, um, with our own curriculum design and then the added layer, um, Rachel has a intern in her classroom. And so on top of that, how do we talk about rigor to those who are coming into the field? Mm. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting angle too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So good. So what I want to do, open it up is first talk about how you have um, understood that word and understood that concept and put it inside of your teaching. Well, so when I think of rigor, I think of like, your content is consistently challenging all students, all students, all students. And this is where I personally am kind of lost Yeah, because I have some students where I'm like, they will easily do this project and we'll get it done in plenty of time and it'll be an A and it'll be great. And then I have some students who won't even engage for whatever reason under the sun. It could be like sure. language. It could be, not interesting. It could like truly any reason. Um, but I, as the teacher, am navigating this, like, well, what, (laughs) okay. So is it too challenging for you and too easy for you? And so does that mean my rigor needs to change for the highest achiever in the room? (laughs) (laughs) Or does that mean that like, Hey, you're always going to have some high achievers that are just going to get things done. Yeah. Efficiently and accurately and whatever else. Um, versus some students that won't. And I've also struggled with like, personally, I feel like a lot of times when I'm pitching content this past year, I've been reflecting a lot on like 
I, am I trying too much to pitch it to them to make it sound manageable? Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Yep. And so I'm, I think I'm falling into that with my class right now. Ooh, even just here yeah. thinking, yeah. Hey, like just get it in. Hey, I'll extend the deadline. Yeah. Hey, right. it's, I'm not going to change the requirement, but I'm going to try to, Ooh, let's just get through it. Right. Well, and I'm just wondering if it's like causing students to just kind of think, Oh, well, it's not like nothing is that challenging. And therefore like my effort doesn't need to be that high. Right. And my engagement doesn't need to be that high on this project. And I'll still probably get a good enough grade or whatever else. Um, so personally, that's like how I've been feeling lately this year and kind of wondering what the balance is of, we were, we were talking earlier before the podcast of like, what is just the knowledge that I have because I have an English degree and I'm teaching all day and yeah. I'm teaching the same stuff and I'm really familiar with the novels. I'm really familiar with the content. And so what is that level of, right. I understand it really well. Right. And then what's the level I'm just trying to spoon feed it to them to make it seem manageable. And that's not really the goal either of rigor. Mm-hmm. And I just feel kind of lost. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also teaching an on grade level class. So it's not a pre AP, you know, like, they, they've been told like, Hey, pre AP, you're going to have faster pace, mm-hmm. more questions, more homework, whatever else. So anyways, I'm just a little lost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. One, well, what this idea, you just said like more homework, more questions, more like I hear stuff like, cause when I hear rigor, I think like the class is difficult. Yes. Like it is a difficult, difficult class, because they're asked to heart asked to do difficult things or difficult because workload and work amount. Well, and that's what I think is like interesting about like defining rigor mm-hmm. is that like it's amount of work rigor it. And I would say no. Right. Right. Like less work that's more intellectually or academically challenging is it's more, more rigorous. rigorous. Right. Or even this idea of like management and like, like I, ha- I think of like professors I had in college where I would say that was a difficult class and maybe even a rigorous class because they had like, oh, sorry, you turned it in at 12.01, not midnight. I'm no longer accepting it right. or I'm taking 15% off of it, right? Like I think there's this, we have to like differentiate mm-hmm. what rigor is. Like, yeah. is it this idea of like consistently challenging academically all students? Right. Or is it like just making things hard to make make it feel rigorous? Right. Yeah. And I think going to that, I'll have students who turn in late work Mm -hmm. and I want to communicate that the work needs to be taken seriously and done on time. Yeah. I also want to communicate that I'm after their learning. Yeah. And life is hard and I want them to, to also stay with me and not shut me out and shut down. Right. Because I have noticed uh, in the last few years, this interesting spiraling that students do miss one thing, two things, three things it's over. Right. And so I'm trying to help keep that. Right. And I go back and forth between being very black and white, this is it and this is not and feeling as a teacher 
relieved because it's like, I'm keeping it in my black and white. Yeah. Right. But then as a person going, oh, because I want so much for that human being with their own ups and downs to know that in my class, they're, they're a person first. Right. So I, I have a hard time with this work. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, I, I just, I, my children over the years have been communicated to that rigor means more work. Yeah. Yep. They have not been communicated to that rigor meant higher level thinking, deep thinking, challenging work is more rigorous. And so when I hear that word as a parent, I get a bad taste. I have a bad taste in my mouth. Yep. I'm not interested because it's probably going to mean just more yep. of whatever it is. Um, even my, even when I have friends that have kids in GT programs and things like that. Some of the GT programs are about curiosity and imagination and ingenuity and others. Um, I know of one elementary school and the kids are writing research papers. Right. Yeah. And so some would argue that is really rigorous. Right. But the argument is that GT students need to learn things in a different ways. Yeah. Um, along, it's not just faster and more, but it's different. So anyways, I know I kind of threw some wrenches, but this is why when this word comes up, I immediately say, what do you mean by rigor person right. who's telling me rigor? Right. Well, yeah, I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it, even this idea of like, what do I want to say this? Like, like things feeling difficult to students isn't necessarily rigor. Even when it's academically challenging and it mm -hmm. feels difficult to them because of that, mm -hmm. is that actually important, interesting, valuable work? Or does it just feel confusing to them? Right, right. You mean maybe I have asked them to do something and they don't understand it. And in my mind, I'm saying, oh, this is just because it's rigorous and you have to work harder. Right. But, but in actuality, just confusing. I'm just, I just, I just didn't explain the assignment, explain well. The assignment right. well. I messed up. Right. Uh, mm, I'm thinking back on my teaching days and I'm thinking of some teachers who I worked with mm -hmm. and some of it being hearing from what the students said, that teacher was difficult right, to work with, yeah. challenging in their class. And the students met a lot of frustration. Now I'm listening to an adolescent talk about sure. their experience. Sure. I totally understand that frame. The teacher was perceiving that struggle as like what you were talking about, yeah. Rachel. Right. I just ask a lot. My class is just really hard. It's rigorous. Right. Yeah. And they can step up or not. And the students are saying, no, I, I don't understand. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's like the comments. I can already hear them. Like they never explain it. Like, yes. I don't understand. I don't yes. know what we're doing. Yeah. In that they class. just give us things to do. Yeah. And I yeah. don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then you teach and you realize that you explain something 5,000 times and they still go, and I don't know what I'm supposed still to do. Don't understand. So yeah. then you go, I don't know what to believe anymore. Right. <laughs> Like I've tried to think of every entry point to the yeah. assignment and you still don't understand. Yes. Yeah. Is how? It, how? Right. Do I need to make this easier? Right. I'm going through that right now with a project of mine. I have this big project and I just, I have a, I have a certain class and I don't know if they're going to trust me and go with me. Yeah. So I'm thinking about just making it a paper. Yeah. Because I don't have the energy. 
to, to sell it. it. Yeah. And yeah. to be like, listen, this is, this is good. This is good work. It's going to be interesting work. It's challenging work. It's a big, it's a big project. Right. And I don't know if I have the energy to keep going. Right. And to me, it is rigorous and what I know about research, but to them mm-hmm. in college, if it's not a research paper, I have to do a pretty big sell because yeah. students feel like they're not doing rigorous work. Right. If it's not a huge APA or MLA citation paper. Yeah. And I get so weary of that conversation. <laughs> I'm but rubbing see, my eyes just thinking about it. <laughs> I wonder too, if that's, um, so I'm wondering like if the like smoke and mirrors that we put around rigor, cause I think about like class discussions in college that I had where I would say that was a rigorous class because of the intellectual work. Like it had nothing to do with the papers. Like papers were sort of secondary, Yeah, but the class was prepared so well that it was like what we're going to discuss. You're not going to be able to answer quickly. And that's sort of the point you're going to get to an answer, but like, it's not going to come fast to you. Right. And that's like the weird tension of trying to not like answer questions for students because of like the time that it takes, like truly I'm just talking like it's hard not to pose a question and then answer that same question yourself because it takes more time to wait for them to think. But I just don't know how to like come up with assignments or content or things that it's like, it's bolstering those types of interactions in the classroom. What you said really stood out to me that, that I'm, and it's kind of rattling around in my yeah. brain. I'm yeah. trying to make sense of it. It's not going to come quickly. Yeah. This is going to take some time. Well, and I think that's where we get that there's almost like a, it like comes up against what we might think of as rigor. Right. Where like, if you have a class where you turn in a lot of work and a lot, there's a lot of due dates and a lot of assignments. Lots of grades in the grade book. Lots of grades in the grade book. You might be like, Ooh, that class is rigorous. Right. Versus like that you have to sit and you have to think and you right. have to like, I might get called in the upon. writing process. You have to share your ideas. Right. right. That also comes against like student engagement. Sure. Like doesn't look great for an observation for students to be sitting and right? not saying a lot and not saying a lot. No. Yeah. yeah. And like it, you, you have to sell it, right? Like yes. you can't, I, it's, I tell my students like you, Sometimes I don't tell them this all the time, but sometimes I'm like, you're going to get out of my class what you put into it. And I feel yeah. like that's like hokey teacher's language. But like, if, if you're not willing to sit there and think about it, I can't yeah. make you, but like, you're not, you're going to be really bored probably in my mm-hmm. class. Right. I was reading a book called range and, um, it's an interesting book. And in one of, uh, one of the sections it talks about how Kit, students, learners will perceive that they are learning more. And when surveyed, they will attest to feeling as if they've learned more or, or saying, I learned more in this class. If there are a bunch of quizzes smallly along the way, Interesting. during the time of the course, their self-perception of their learning, if there are not a lot of quizzes, but it's these long involved discussion, deep thinking, uh, things that last over time, the perception in the time is I'm not learning yeah. as much. Mm-hmm. And that's what they will, that's what they will say. On the other side, if they are um, surveyed years from then, 
Yeah. It switches completely. Huh. Interesting. The perception is I didn't learn a lot because it wasn't salient Yeah, mm-hmm. from the quizzes and the a whole bunch of little assignments. I learned so much from that class because it was the long haul. And what's uh. so hard is I'm evaluated on their perception right, right now. Then. Yeah. Yep. Um, and many of us evaluate what we're doing based on the faces right now. Right. Right. And right. the groans and the moans and yeah. Yeah. And the feedback and the parent questions. And so yeah. that's really made me think as well. I think so many times rigor is seen as like how many worksheets, how many fill in the blanks, how much yep. like the stuff, the stuff, the stuff, all these things that we're making and they're turning in. Right. Versus, you know, all four days of thinking work and I have a paper to show for it. Right. I'm trying to think like practically. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. practically what does this look like? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm almost wondering like, do we do kind of like a case study on like, okay, you're teaching a short story in class. Mm -hmm. How would you make the discussion? Yeah. Like, rigorous for the students right with that short story yeah i i feel like a lot of the time when i'm thinking that way my questions do get better but sometimes they can get more um i don't know like they can toe the line of just not knowing how how student like being really fearful of how students won't be able to engage at all Sure. Yes. Sure. So sure. I'm like, I, yes. I know that they can get there, but I have to, I have to help them get there. Mm-hmm. And if I don't help them, this could be really bad. You yeah, know? I do. Yes. Yes. And, and, and you're feeling like there's so much fragileness around this reading that you were trying to encourage in this writing that we sometimes, you know, feel like we can afford yeah. some fumbling days or courses or moments because we're, Afraid that that fumbling will start that. Well, because I'm not a reader and because I'm not a writer and because I can't do this, and then they'll they'll disengage. Rigor. What is rigor? I think. I think. Mm, okay, I'm trying to go back. Like I'm looking at my little toolbox yep. of teaching. Yeah. Yep. And I'm thinking about like this. <laughs> thinking about it. open up your magic box and give us all the answers, please, please. please. I'm thinking about. Um, some I, some I go to as just essential questions, right? Yeah. Yeah. We pose the essential question. Yeah. We model for them how we, from a story from our own lives or a book that we read or a story we read, how you use that content to answer that question, right? Yeah. You write on the board and show them like this event happened mm. and this is what I understand from it. And this is how I would answer the essential question. This event happened. So you're modeling your thinking because we have to, we've got to do better of showing our thinking to students. We've just got oh, yes. to, we all need to work yeah. on it. Myself included. Yeah. And then give them some sort of a graphic organizer. that looks a whole lot like what you just drew on the board. Right. Right. And so then they start reading through that story, looking for ways to answer the question with the content from the story. Right. And you let them do a couple of reads. So they get, so like you said, um, Natalie, they need, like, how do we get them reading? 
how do we honor that this is their first read, right? Yeah. Their second read, yeah. which is our fumbling read. Our first read is our fumbling read. Yeah. Just trying to orient ourselves. Our second read is internal connections inside of the text. What are the different parts doing and how they work together? Our third read is how do I make sense of this text in connection to external content that I know? Right. And the fourth read is how do I analyze this? Right. right. So those are the four stances from Judith Langer's work. Yes. <laughs> On envisionment. Yes. <laughs> yes. Envisionment. Great. <laughs> Great work. It Go is. read Judith Langer, everything yeah. she wrote. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's that stance. We don't have time for all four of those things in the, no, right? yeah. in the school no. day. Right. So it's how do we use graphic organizers? How do we use ourselves as models <laughs> right. to get mm-hmm. them through those stances a little bit quick, a little more quickly and efficiently? Right. Which we would love the fumbling around time. Right. But we yeah. can't afford it. Well, and like, how do we get them through it without giving them Yes. Giving them through it. I feel like that's where I struggle. We have to learn to wrestle with stuff. Yeah. We have to learn to wrestle with the text. Yeah. Well, and I think normalizing it, you're going to read this and it's going to be really challenging. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's wrong. It means that it's right. 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 Yeah. It's going to be hard to understand this. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It means that you're actually right and that you're thinking and you're going to say things like, this is dumb and I hate it. And that's good because it means you're actually thinking about it and your brain is frustrated and it wants to quit wants to quit because our brains don't like to do hard things. Right. Our brains like to reserve energy yeah. and use all of our vitamins and nutrients to not do that. Right. <laughs> they want the, our brains. Defend. Yes. Our yeah. brains have been genetically and environmentally cultivated to try to figure out how to do the most amount with the least amount of energy. Yeah. yeah. So you are genetically not like predisposed against this hard thing. Yeah. And we're going to work through hard things. And I think it's normalizing it. I think it's talking through it. I think it's saying this is going to be hard. Um, today in class, I was trying to help my students walk through some explorations of gender and stereotypes and stuff that we're not going to go into here. <laughs> but what was cha- what I was doing throughout the entire thing was showing them where we were in like, in getting deeper. Yeah. So first write this down. Now talk about this second, turn your page over and write about this. Yeah. Talk about this third. And I said, I, and then I showed him these really hard questions from the discuss. And I said, I want you to notice we didn't start here. Yeah. We needed to get in here gradually once one, one step at a time. Right. And so I need you to understand like the process is we have to first hear what each other's stories are, understand our own perspective navigate what that means with our own background. And so I was blatantly saying, this is my, this is surface, this is next step, next step, next step. Right. Because you could feel the room getting more tense. Yeah. And you could feel some of them starting to physically, I could see them kind of pulling back and yeah. I just normalized it. You're going to not want to talk right now because it's really hard yeah. to have a position. So right. I'm going to pause us and I'm going to give you some time to write. Yeah. But I need you to be a position taker yeah. because I talked about the three structures of cognitive development yeah. as an infant or as a child, we want black and white. As adolescent, we're relativist. You do you. Yeah. Right. And then we've got to get to the um, committed position taker. Yeah. And those are the steps of cognitive development. And I said, you want to do, you do you right now. Yeah. But it's not going well in our society to do you do you. Yeah. Yeah. I said, so how do we get to position taker? Right. Passionate position taker who's very confident and comfortable. Yeah. That others do not share the same position. Yeah. So I'm trying to give them these different frames too, right? I'm grasping at straws. Like I'm just trying. You're like anything. Yeah. I'm to, trying anything. to get them working through it. And then 
on Wednesday, we'll pick up some of these resonating components. Right. But it's, I can't just say, now talk about this. Right. Because I said so. Right. Now flip your page over and write a column about this because I said so. Right. I have to explain to them, this is what we're getting at. Right. And why. Right. Did you do that when you taught high school? No. I'll be honest. Yeah. No. I dropped my kids in the middle of the maze. Yeah. And, and expected them to get out mm-hmm. yeah. and ran or, and would run around, would run around with them inside of it. But I didn't always know where I was going. Yeah. I'm just being honest. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, my gut told me we have to do better work. Yeah. But I didn't always know what, what, where we were headed or why. Like I would do what I talked about, but I would have no like standard or essential question. Mm-hmm. And so the students would love the, like, would respond very positively in the moment of doing really interesting work. Right. Yeah. Then we would surface and they're like, why did we do that? Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, give me a minute. And my gut and my brain, like, I know we did it for a reason. Right. (laughs) But I need to figure out how to, how to translate what we did or how to show you on the map what we did. Right. And I did not do well in communicating that. Mm. And I know that. It's difficult to communicate. It is. It can be. Well, when you, when you're trying to transition to follow, to teach from your gut instead of like, just teach from your brain. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you start getting into your gut and then you're like, wait, why are we doing, why are we doing this? Right. But then it's going so well. Right. Right. But then you don't know why. Right. So there's a whole, there's a a whole podcast. podcast. Yeah. And I didn't teach long enough to find my way through that maze. Right. My teaching journey in high school ended before I could. Yeah. Well, and there might be something to them asking like, why did we do all of that? Like, I'm, I'm just thinking about the number of times that we take students through things and they don't ask questions because it's not engaging to them. Right. So they're just like, I just did it because it's school versus yeah. Like, even if maybe, even if it sounds like sort of a negatively, you know, phrased question or whatever, that it actually might mean that why they're asking it is because like, I know I did a lot here. And so I'm kind of wrestling with that reality yeah. of like, I did a lot here. Yeah. And I'm not really sure what it was for. Right. But they recognize I did a lot. Yeah. Right. If, if we don't do the good work of taking those days of good discussion. Right. And show them what it did right like by getting it into a paper or putting it into a final something right even if it for us we're kind of like Ugh. right because i i joke that sometimes great things go to writing go go to die in writing yeah because then all of a sudden we're like now write and the kids like right. and they turn their brains off right and uh but if we can get them to kind of capture some of it yeah in that process by the end so Getting back to practical, they read the story, they fill out the graphic, the organizer. graphic organizer. Then they have a dis- then they have a moment where they can have a discussion mm-hmm. with textual evidence answering that essential question. Yeah, and then you show them how amazing they were at all the things from the standards that they did without you even having to tell them. Yeah, that help. Yeah, yeah, I'm writing all that down <laughs> so I can use it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then you kind of come at the back way. We all, we front load. This is the standard. This is what you're going to do. And this is what you're going to learn. Right. Uh, Like the sadness of teaching kids about satire or teaching kids about dramatic irony or satire before they get to experience it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like what? So lame. It's satire and satire. If you're, if you're being told that it's satire. Right. I mean, it is, but like, it's like when somebody has to explain the joke and you're like, now the joke isn't funny. Yeah. Or like dramatic irony or all these like beautiful things that happen in literature when we get dropped in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I get. Or like a plot twist. This is what a plot twist is. Or this is what a something unexpected. This is what happens. It's like, this is foreshadowing. Yeah. Well, but <laughs> it's me sad. Right. Let them read it let and then read. let them re then the, go back and look at that passage and then they'll see foreshadowing yeah. for themselves. Yep. yep. All right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. okay. Amazing. So essential question. Trying to recap. Read. Okay. Oh, model the answering the essential question uh-huh. and read. Answer it from the story. Graphic organizer. Graphic organizer. Discuss Discussion, with text evidence. Text, and, then, and then show them all the amazing things they did. Connect <laughs> to the standards and show yes. them. Look what you did. Look what you did. And then Look, put it away and use it for something else in the future, a writing or a test. Yep. Or immediately use that to build a bridge to the next thing. Amazing. All right. Now we all know how to incorporate rigor into our classrooms. Boom. Thank you, Dr. Collins. <laughs> now you guys are all rigorous teachers. Congrats. Uh, I'm like, I got some work to do on Wednesday. <laughs> for real. Well, thank you so much for taking time to listen to our uh, podcast on rigor. We want to encourage you to think about um, when working with your students, how can you bring in first? Ah. Define ah. rigor for you. Ooh. When you say rigor, what do you mean? And not just meaning the word, the definition, but what does rigor look like in the classroom? Yeah. Does rigor look like talking? Does rigor look like writing? Does rigor look like um, students researching? What does rigor look like if they were doing rigor? Um, and then Start planning backwards from that final vision that you have of what you see them doing and plan them into that. Amazing. Well, thanks, Dr. Wow. Jamie Collins. Thank you wow. guys for your help. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, well, I got some things I got to work on here. Mm. But you got us out of the weeds tonight. You so got a good job there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I get to pull you out of the weeds sometimes because I throw you into the weeds so often. So often. <laughs> we love it. That's all you've been doing the last <laughs> five years or whatever. (laughs) I love it though. Thanks again for joining us on the Teacher's Change of Teaching podcast where today we talked about rigor in the classroom and we hope that you found this helpful. If you did, go and rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening and check us out on teacherschangingteaching.com. We'll see you next time.